Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Beatles Undercover, where Alan and I will be curating side B of the mixtape, featuring an eclectic mix of Beatles covers spanning the past 60 years. It's unbelievable. It's been 60 years since yeah. the Beatles have been making music. Yeah, it's 62 would have been, please 60. please me. Yeah, right? yeah. 60 wow. years. That's a, that, yeah, that's... I used to listen to Sgt. Pepper when they said, you know, it's 20 years ago today. And I remember in 1982 thinking, oh, that was 20 years. Like, that's a long, that's, that wasn't a long time. No. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it, it's, it's scary to think that we are closer to 2069 than we are to 1969. I know. You know, it just, I, I, yeah, I, my time, my, my understanding of time is so... I mean, never it's mind. Cute. By Nirvana is like thirty years, thirty-one years old, or something crazy. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know where the time goes, really. I mean, I don't feel well. My body thinks it's old. I mean, it likes to fail me, but I, I in my mind, you know. And I said this last week: the nineties were ten years ago. You know, I, I just I can't wrap my head around this idea that, you know, I'm forty-nine. I'll be fifty soon. I, this is just. I, it makes no sense to me. It's like uh, impossible to to put a value to it. I bet our audience can can probably relate. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> they can. Our core audience, anyway. Um, so, yeah, our artist spotlight. If uh, sometimes I know that our you know our listeners did not listen to side A. Sometimes we have more more listeners for a B side than we do for the A, which kind of cracks me up. Yeah, this is an artist spotlight, but we are. Looking at the covers of a particular artist, uh, we are looking at other artists performing Beatles tunes. And last week's episode, if you haven't listened, you should go back and, and you know definitely tune in. It, it it was a fantastic collection of music, as will be the the case this week as well. So. Yeah, and I believe I get to start. You do. So I'm going to begin. Uh, someday we should switch it up and just throw everybody off and let me go first. <laughs> <laughs> You, you. I think you arrange yours though a little bit. I, I actually I, I just randomize yeah, mine. Yeah, I. You know, my wife makes fun of me for it too because I do. I, I actually put them in the order that if I was just making a playlist of my songs, this is the order I would put them in. And she, she just looks at me and rolls her eyes. She's like, "Because mine are going to mess it up anyway." Yeah, and, and so. that's what she says. But I'm like, "Yeah, but it's it. I don't know. I, it's my OCD kicking in." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm going to start off here with a rocker, and I love this. This is one of my favorites on my list. I just, I love this. And it's an album that came out, it's from an album that came out in 2006 called Butchering the Beatles. Oh, yeah, yeah. A head-bashing tribute. Like I said, I'm not a metal fan, but this is a collection of different hard rock and metal artists who came together, and I didn't read a lot about how it came came about, but um, they basically made these little super groups for these different tracks, these different um, Beatles covers. And I've only listened to this one. I need to, to listen to the rest. But I came across this. This is Hey Bulldog by Alice Cooper, Steve Vai, Duff McKagan, and Mickey D. Do it. 
Butchering uh, the Beatles is a callback, if you remember, to the Yesterday and Today album cover. There was an American release of songs. It wasn't released in the UK called Yesterday and Today. So it's not considered one of their core official studio albums, even though it was a a capital release. It was later released finally on CD in the the capital collection. And it had a very controversial cover. Because on the cover, you had um, the four Beatles, and they were wearing white smocks or white, uh, like, lab coats or butcher coats, basically. They were supposed to look like butchers. And they had blood smeared on them and pieces of raw meat and baby doll parts. Really? Yes. And it caused quite a stir when it was released, I believe, 1966. And so I, I think they might have re-released it with a different cover after that, after that initial pressing. But this is a, th- a throwback to that. So if you haven't haven't seen that cover, you should you should. It's actually kind of gruesome. I'm surprised they even conceptualized it, agreed to it, and actually pressed it. But it's a throwback to that. Now on their cover, on the cover of the uh, head bashing tribute, um, it's like zombies in the same position. You know, their flesh is rotting off their faces mm. and so forth. So it's like a, it's a drawing, but. Anyway, this Beatles jam, Hey Bulldog, has been overlooked for many, many, many years. Yes, it has. Uh, it, it, was, it was on an official. They, they do consider the Yellow Submarine soundtrack to be an official Beatles studio album. Uh, although it's not listened to, it's probably listened to the least because there's a lot, I think the entire second side is all orchestral music by George Martin. And then the first, of course, has Yellow Submarine um, and some other tracks. Um, but Hey Bulldog, to me, is really the highlight of this album. Oh, it's, it's one of the best Beatles tunes. And yeah, I actually learned of the song very late. Yes. Because um, I, I had not seen Yellow Submarine until I was, you know, far into the Beatles. I, it took me forever to see the film. And then, yeah, I, I had never heard of it. And so. I, I think I came about it, this shows you how late, when they came out with, this is probably 15 years ago, they came out with Rock Band, Beatles Edition. Oh, yeah. And this song was featured. And at the time, I had not, just I didn't buy the soundtrack to Yellow Submarine, you know? Yeah. So I finally bought it for that. And yeah, just such a great song. It's a shame. But it, it seems now that it's starting to kind of become more and more um, played and, you know, at least more and more Beatles fans are aware of it and talk yeah, about it. You hear more people talking about it now than ever before. So, yeah, definitely. It um, it was originally titled Hey Bullfrog. <laughs> and um, this one, John says, he admits the lyrics mean absolutely nothing. It's not about a woman. It's not about drugs. It's not political. It, it's just nonsensical. It means nothing at all. Um, I just... To me, in fact, I mean, you have a lot of great guitar licks in Beatles songs. Um, you know, Drive My Car is a great, you know, Day Tripper. You have all sorts of really, While My Guitar Gently Weaves is a great guitar song. But this guitar lick from Hey Bulldog is just, it might be my favorite of the Beatles. Well, it's so different. Yeah. You know, it's unlike anything. Because the Beatles, you know, for as prolific as they are, 
they they had a particular sound. I mean, each album had a particular sound. Anyway, um, we talked about how they evolved as a band, but yeah, Hey Bulldog because it stands alone on Yellow Submarine. It, it's unlike anything else in their right. catalog. Yep. It, it's truly unique. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's just a rock song. I mean, it's yeah. it's fairly hard for its time, like as a pop song. But it made sense if they're, and, and this is what the album says, it's attempting to metalize the Beatles. That was the whole point of this record, mm. was to take Beatles songs and make metal versions of them. And so again, you know, Alice Cooper's more hard rock than metal. Right. But, you know, he had other metal artists working with him on this little sub super group. And they don't even give the super groups names. They just list all four members or five members that contribute well, to these tracks. Steve Vai, I, w- I wouldn't consider Stevie Vai to be metal. No, but again, hard rock. I yeah, mean, yeah, it, it, all, yeah. it all fits into that. So um, I'm going to take time and listen to the, the whole album because it, it really interests me. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure Helter Skelter's got to be on there because a lot of people oh, yeah. consider that being to be one of the first metal songs. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so. which given what the song is about, I've always found that quite <laughs> Right. Uh, but um, of course, Manson took a song about kids on a playground and, you know, well, come to th- come to think of it now, yeah, my, that science teacher that I talked about last week that told me happiness is a warm gun was about smoking a joint. So you know, Helter Skelter is just about going down a sliding board, yeah. Which I suppose it really is, but oh, that, he failed to mention is, all yeah. the Manson stuff. But. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, a very good cover of of this song. Have you ever heard of Fanny, the band Fanny? I have not. Okay, they, they were an American rock band. They they were actually one of the very first all female rock groups to play their own instruments. Um, they um, they were active in the mid to late 70s. Um, they have a version as well, and most people have never, everyone I asked, they've never heard of Fanny. Um, and they, they were very short-lived, but they were they were solid. I mean, they, they were every bit as good as the Runaways. Um, but they have a version of Hey Bulldog that is just, it, it's, at first, at first listen, I didn't care for it, but it grew on me. So that's one I might throw on our alternates list. I'm curious what you would think of them. Yeah, no, I'm anxious to hear that. Because um, bands, the other all-girl bands, the Go-Go's especially, the Bangles, a lot of them credit Fanny as Mm. being uh, one of their big influences. But yeah, very few people know them. Very cool. Yeah, our mentioned song list playlist is no longer alternates and mentioned songs because we no longer have alternates. Yeah, that's true. But they're just uh, mentioned songs, songs that we bring up and... Uh, we don't have the time to to put them on the episode itself, but like I said last week, uh, we do not charge for our playlists. Uh, some play some um, podcasts do; they have a Patreon, which you know it might be cool to get a Patreon at some point. But we're going to have to come up with extra content, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I got to figure out what that would be because um, it would be nice to help offset some of the costs. Obviously, we're just doing this um, as a hobby, but uh, it would be good to offset. We have a couple sponsors, but anyway, that's that's not something to discuss on the air. No, no. Your choice. Uh, okay. Well, my first uh, pick this week, there's not a lot of information that I, I could learn about the song. I mean, it, it's just, it, it was um, a track on uh, the 1979 album Great Balls of Fire by Dolly Parton. Um, but I do want to talk about Dolly for a minute. First of all, she is the second country act to make it into the Rock Hall and much deserved I think, uh, without question. I think, in fact, Dolly Parton, what amuses me, it, we are so divided on everything today. The one thing I feel like everyone agrees on 
is Dolly Parton. Well, I think they agree that she's a great philanthropist. Yeah. That she's, you know, Dolly World, of course, is popular. I've never been there. I'm not sure that it's, everybody... It's a fun little park. Is it? Yeah. I'm not sure that everybody is a Dolly Parton fan or necessarily likes her music, well, but, not, they, but she's, yeah, she's yeah. a saint, a modern saint. She really is. And I wasn't talking about her music necessarily. Okay. I'm just saying I, I've never met anyone that has anything negative to say about... First of all, I mean, she's self-deprecating. She she jokes and, and uses, you know, her her breasts is, is a punchline constantly. Remember putting she, into the calculator? Oh yeah, boobies. Yeah, boobies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the memes of the the eighties. Um, but yeah, I, she just I, she never says a negative word about anybody. She she works with young musicians. She she basically funded the COVID vaccine herself. She has. Uh, a starting uh, literacy program, a charity. Send free books to any kid. Uh, yeah. Uh, she really is. She's a saint. And she is just, I don't know. But she, I think what is so interesting about Dolly Parton is that she is such a mystery. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still do not know what she looks like without the wig. Her arms, I mean, there, there's been, for for years now, there are, you know, rumors that she's she just has sleeves of tattoos because her, her arms have not been exposed. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, her arms have not been exposed in probably 30 years. Um, and she, she just, there's so much mystery that surrounds her because she's so private, but yet she's everywhere. You know, it, it's truly, she, she's, I don't know, she's, she's definitely a standalone act and, and, you know, very... And what song did you pick from Dolly? Well, from Dolly, first of all, the, the album, as I said, Great Balls of Fire, um, it came out in 1979. This this album, uh, it's it's really one of Dolly's best pop efforts. This was a pop album. This was not a country album. And she was one of the great crossover acts. I mean, she, Nine to Five, of course, was a oh, huge hit. absolutely. Um, which made me laugh that so many people were against her entering the Rock Hall. I mean, she's she was a crossover act. I mean, she wrote some of the some of the biggest pop hits. I mean, Whitney Houston's, you know. I will always love you being the the prime example, but um, this particular album she had one hit on it. Um, the, the the hit single was "You're the Only One." It topped the country charts, um, and the follow up single "Sweet Summer Lovin'" went top ten on the country charts. But they both actually were top forty hits as well, and the album actually it it soared in in the uh, Billboard. Uh, top 200 on the strength of those singles um but it is a pop album and one of the covers that she does on this album is help help i need somebody help not just anybody help i need somebody please please help me when i was younger so much younger than today Never needed anybody's help in any way But now those days are gone and I'm not so self-assured Now I find I've changed my mind and I've opened up the door Help me if you can, I'm feeling down And I do appreciate you being round Won't you help me get my feet back on the ground Won't you please, please help me her version of Help is, it's a rocking tune, but it is definitely country roots rock flavored. Yeah, it's got that uh, that uh, train rhythm, yeah. the locomotive rhythm oh, yeah. to it. And it, it. It's just, it's so infectious and so catchy. And, and she goes slow, she speeds up, slows, speeds up. I mean, she does a number of very interesting things with the song. 
and it's just country picking, you know. I mean, it, the guitar, like you said, that that train rhythm. It's it. I stumbled upon this by accident. Um, it was Spotify's algorithm. They just threw it at me one day, and I was just first of all, I was blown away because I had no idea Dolly Parton had ever done a Beatles cover, and I listened to it, you know, a couple of times through, and and suddenly. I was hooked. I mean, this is one of my favorite Beatles covers now. I mean, she does an incredible job with it. Um, so there's not much else to say. I mean, it, it wasn't a single. There's I could not find any any information about you know Dolly uh, Dolly's version of it, which is fine because we're we're backing away from the research a bit anyway. But um, I, it was just one I wanted to throw on and, and see what what people thought of of the tune. I mean, I, to me, it's one of the very best covers that I've included and. I, I I love Dolly Parton, so all right, perfect, sweet uh, and sweet and simple. My next pick uh, is a song that a lot of people, if you're a Beatles fan, you'll know it. It, it wasn't a single; it's off Sgt. Pepper, though, which you talked about uh, last week being um, the number one album um, as ranked by Rolling Stone for many many years. Yeah, for a long and, time. And the song is is fixing a hole, which I've always liked. It's just a nice little pop song. Um, but do you have uh, a, a group called the Woodbrothers? Have you heard of the Woodbrothers before? Not before I listened to to your list. No. Okay, uh, the Woodbrothers version of Fixing the Hole. And by the way, the Woodbrothers, I I know them because I saw them in Nelsonville. I did not meet them, so I'm not going to say, <laughs> but I did get to see see them perform. Um, and uh, so when we decided to do this broadcast, I immediately thought of this because talk about making a song your own, right? Right. They take this and it's, it's kind of a stripped down acoustic with an upright bass, just a really kind of cool vibe to this. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in and stops my mind from wondering where it will go. I'm filling the cracks that ran through the door and kept my mind from wondering where it will go. Like Happiness is a Warm Gun, many listeners assumed this song was about heroin. Like Got to Get You Into My Life, when Paul said, remember last week, he said Got to Get You Into My Life is about pot. Um, in, in, in This song is also about drugs. <laughs> so many of them are. Um, it, again, is an ode to pot. So I'm not sure how many ode to pots <laughs> pot Paul McCartney <laughs> chose to uh, to write, but this is another another ode to pot. Um Another interesting story about, the, you might have heard this too, he was leaving his uh, home or his apartment or whatever to go record um, the song, and an emotionally disturbed fan approached him. And I guess this happened from time to time. You know, fans would approach, but once in a while people that were a little off their rocker would, would, would you know, pop up out of nowhere. And this fan um, approached Paul and claimed to be Jesus Christ. 
Okay. And Paul, you know, this was the 60s. This was the cool vibe in the 60s. Said, you know, you know what? Do you want to come uh, listen to a session? So we invite him <laughs> into the studio. And he said to the gentleman, hey, just as long as you sit in the corner and don't make any noise, you can watch us record today. So he let this guy who claimed to be Jesus Christ listen. And this was the song that was recorded when he was part of the session. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. The Wood Brothers, uh, going back to them, is an indie band that, like I said, many in our audience may not know. Um, but there are three members, two of whom are actually brothers. Uh, they've been kind of playing and recording their brand of folk, gospel, and blues for the last 15 years or so. And this cover comes from an album of covers that they released in 2009. And, um, I, you know, never does justice to try to describe the song. So you just got to gotta listen to the song. But I'm a sucker for upright bass and, you know, kind of this, like I said, they're kind of a blend of folk, gospel, blues, a little jazz in there. And they have a real nice take on the, on the song. Yeah, no, I was very impressed with it. Um, it was I mean, if you you talked last week about Rocky Raccoon, you know, making a list of the songs that you would think would be covered. That's not when you would fixing th- a hole is not a song that I would think right. anybody would have a I, that either of us would bring to the table for for this two part episode. Um, but no, it was it was it was a great song. Um, I had never heard of them though. No. Yeah. Again, it's a testament to how these Beatles songs again can be used and and applied to all sorts of different styles of no. music. Yeah, without question. They're just master songwriters. Like the, if, if fixing a hole, which we would see as a minor Beatles contribution, were to be recorded, let's say this were an original by the Wood Brothers, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is an incredible yeah. song. You know, yeah. So that just shows you the power of the Beatles. Even their, you know, not they never had filler yeah. other, other than the song "Flying." Maybe they never <laughs> had filler on their album, and we discussed some of the covers they did early on. So this is not a filler song; it's just a lesser-known Beatles song. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm. You know, if you're if you're a if you're an obsessive fan, I Dave Dave and I both are huge Beatles fans. Yeah, you you know the albums, you know the deep cuts, but a lot of people they they know the hits, they know they know ones, you know the the greatest hits collection yes, that right. came out with yeah. the number one hits. Um, so yeah, they're they're oh my god, how many songs do you think they actually recorded? Because when when they came out with the anthology series. Um, the three volume anthology series. There was so much yeah, like music discs, there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and they, um, yeah, and, and like you said last week, all in eight years' time. It, it's just it's amazing. It's mind boggling. Um, yeah, it was fertile ground, and they just took advantage of it, uh, much to the det- detriment of their loved ones and family members, of course. But um, yeah, but they were just yeah. totally devoted to their craft. Speaking of the anthology, by the way. Um, I love the last two discs of that. Uh, or the, the last two discs are the last the third installment that was released because you really start to see the individual Beatles come out yeah. and you start to see a lot of demos of songs that would not appear until their solo acts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, if we ever wanted to do another artist spotlight, of course we wouldn't want to double up on the Beatles, but it would be really interesting to do a Beatles solo show yeah, where we take the best of the four and what they produced after the Beatles. Yeah, it'd be a hell of a show. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have to be equitable. We wouldn't have to have as many Ringo songs. Well, I was going to say, as, poor, as, poor Ringo might have. He might get one or two. He, <laughs> yeah, give him the no-no song. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I um, uh, no, that that would be a fun one. But yeah, I don't think we'll revisit the Beatles now, having done this one, at least not for a long time. Um, but no, I. It's a great pick. All right, you're up. All right. Well, I had nothing to say about Dolly, but I have everything to say about my next uh, selection. Um, I have raved about this pairing several times in 
the last two seasons. I'm talking about Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs. Um, they're under the covers collections. Their three volumes are just phenomenal. I and their their voices blend perfectly, and which you know on on paper you would never think that this pairing would work because they have such very different styles. And but I mean, it, it is just they come together and I mean they're they're not Buckingham and Knicks, you know, but but they are definitely they're in it for fun and it works well, you take Matthew Sweet's jangle style and you take Susanna Hoffs and she double tracks at least on this tune she double tracks her vocals and almost almost harmonizes with herself in a way yeah and it's just such a great sound it is yeah and you know I, there's probably not a, a band or a performer out there who hasn't at one time or another done a cover song really um, they're the, kind of the bread and butter of live bands when they're first starting out and have limited material of their own. And then, you know, once performers are established, a cover or two can be thrown into a live set to get the audience going. It's pretty standard. Um, but here you have these two, three volumes where every song is a cover. And then the volumes are by decade, 60s, 70s, 80s, respectively, volumes one through three. Um, but, you know... What's really fascinating to me is that, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, it's a very risky idea to just put out albums of covers, mm-hmm. you know. Smithereens did a, a couple, and they did one. They did just one. early Beatles. Yeah, and well, they they did Song for Song. It was, uh, was it With the Beatles or Meet the Beatles? I don't remember if it's Might the, have been Meet the, Beatles, the British yeah. version. But yeah, it's just, they, they just covered the first album, uh, either British or American, don't know, don't remember, but... Um, but yeah, I, you know, do fans want to listen to and pay for an entire album of someone else's songs, you know? But when the performers are Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs, the answer is yes. I mean, you've got to hear these these three uh, collections of, of covers. Um, the song I'm, I'm talking about this time, they cover um, very early uh, in volume one, And Your Bird Can Sing. wasn't that long ago in my life that I'm embarrassed to say that I kind of made the connection that they're using the British colloquialism for a girl. And I always thought growing up that they just had a like a parrot that a, could sing. A bird, huh? Because it's not unusual for the Beatles to just write some weird crap, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, So I'm like, oh, they're, they're writing about a singing bird. No, they're, they're, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, you know, uh, we're on the other side of the pond, so a lot of the colloquialisms... Are, are we, we, we never us. called our girlfriends birds. No, no. Um, chicks, which I guess chicks, is which close. Is, yeah, yeah. I, you say that now, and I've never made, <laughs> never made that connection that we're not too far removed. Um, 
But, you know, again, I, I've said this last week. There are so many songs that I've brought to this episode that, frankly, I like the cover versions better than the originals by the Beatles. This is one of them. Yeah. Um, what Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs do on this track, it is just, it's Django Pop at its best. And it, it just, they, they, they just, they revisit the song. And it, this is one that is not too much different. This is the one exception to this idea that, you know, I wanted the songs to sound radically different. But it is, because it's a duet. It, it, and then I, I kind of alluded to that last week. It is the duet, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it might be sacrilege, sacrilege to say it, but I, I prefer this better. Yeah, I, I might and be with you on that. I, you know, their take, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's just really, uh, the appreciation that they show yes. to, to the, not only the Beatles, but all the, all the, bands and artists that they cover I mean you know it comes through in their versions which which they're, they're just these are songs that they grew up with these are songs that they love these are songs that they wish they had written and it's just I, I had to include this And Your Bird Can Sing is probably my favorite song that they have recorded together in all three albums um, I mean each of them have their own individual I love titles. the Raspberries one they did oh, That's for great. last season yeah, yeah. And that one's pretty pretty sweet too but yeah, the way that they cover "In Your Bird Can Sing," I mean, it's it's basically roots rock jangle pop with with '60s harmonies, yep. and it just I had to include this. In fact, I wanted to do the Beatles covers because I wanted to include. This well, there song. you go. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you my my entire I, my entire idea for the spotlight was because I wanted to use this song, and, and yet you started with William Shatner. But well, you know what are you gonna do? When I started with well, Joe, okay. Joe Cocker, well, yeah, but you had <laughs> give me give me some <laughs> give me some slack. I didn't kick off with Shatner. Are you finished with? Uh, I I am done with. I, I've raved about these two so much. Yes, you that have. I would just be repeating myself. So, um, but yeah, and your bird can sing. Fantastic cut. So. All right. All right. My next one, and um, actually I have two in a row. I don't know how that happened, but again, I just kind of randomly threw them together. But uh, two from from Rubber Soul, which uh, I mentioned is in my top three uh, Mm. favorite albums. And that, of course, is the album that um, Bob Dylan, when when they finally heard Bob Dylan, um, they kind of went in a more folk direction. Yeah, they did. Folk and a little little bit of jangle in there, too. Um, Like I said, it's easily in my top three. Um, I'm Looking Through You is the song that I've chosen, and I've chosen a version by Steve Earle. Looking through you, where did you go? I thought I knew you, what did I know? You don't look different, but you have changed. I'm looking through you, you're not the same. Your lips are moving, I cannot hear. Is soothing, but the words aren't clear. You don't sound different. I've learned the game. I'm looking through you, you're not the same. Why tell me why did you not treat me right? Love has a nasty habit of disappearing. Love me the same old way. You were above me, but not today. The only difference is you're down there. I'm 
I like Steve Earle. I'm not a country fan per se, but Steve Earle is, he has one foot in country and one foot in like folk Americana. You know, he's a nice blend. And on his album Train of Coming in 1995, he did uh, his, his version of this. Um, the original, uh, you already mentioned Jane Asher, which was uh, Paul's girlfriend for much of the 1960s. Um, this was written in, in, I hate to say this, I've heard certain things about Paul. You know, that he was a bit possessive. You know, maybe he's not as much anymore, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a jealous guy. And Which, which it, ironically, is a title of a song by... By John Lennon. By Lennon, yeah. But so. Jane, Jane Asher um, was an actress, and he wanted right. her to give up her stage career so he could basically just be his girlfriend and travel around with him and stuff. Huh. And she didn't want to give up her stage career because that was her career. And so um, they had a fight about this, and uh, he wrote this song about her. So this one's not about drugs. This is actually about um, um, his girlfriend at the time and how he's seeing through her. And, you know, it's pretty scathing, actually, when you listen it, to it, the lyrics. Yeah, this yeah. is not a not a nice tune. Yeah. Um, Huh. Yeah, but I, you know, like I said, I like Steve Earle. I got to see him once. He opened for Neil Young, which was kind of cool. Did not meet him. See, I told you, I haven't met most of these people, but I've seen a lot live. Um, and again, he's one of those artists, and there are many of them. I really like him, but I just haven't taken the deep dive. It's kind of daunting sometimes when you discover an artist, and then you find they have a back catalog of a dozen records. And it's easier, of course, with Spotify now to catch up. It's not like in the old days when you had to you know, buy them all. Right. But I just I haven't taken that deep dive. I have uh, a couple of his, his, his CDs, but... Um, Someday I'd like to take that deep dive. But yeah, this is this is where Earl takes this kind of this this folksy number and he pushes it slightly over the country line, makes it his own, still maintains that simple integrity of the song. I just think it's perfect. It it is a fantastic cover. Um and I I had never heard it until I, until you shared your list. I I know very little about Steve Earl. Um but um what I've heard, I really like. He's definitely one of those that you can't pigeonhole. Like, he he just does his own thing. I mean, he's never, from what I understand, you know, kowtow to the record label. He just does his thing. Which I respect. I mean, the artists that, the, the artists that have the freedom and the power to do that, they put out some incredible work. I think of John, John uh, Prine as an example. Yeah, Prine, he's, he's yeah like Prine, Prine's a great example. Yeah. All right. Yep. You good? Yep. All right. Well, now, um, a lot of people uh, believe that Joe Cocker's With a Little Hope for My Friends is the greatest Beatles cover of all time. There are those who disagree and think my next track is the greatest cover of all time. It is uh, We Can Work It Out by Stevie Wonder.
from the Science Hill Delivered album in 1970. This has a huge following. Uh, Rolling Stone insists that this is the greatest Beatles cover of all time. Interesting. Yeah, you know, everyone covers the Beatles, everyone, but yeah, it, it, it's notoriously hard to cover them. I and mean, we're giving you a, a selection here of songs that we really revered that we think may even be often better than the originals. But, you know, in, in fairness, the Beatles tended to perform definitive, unimprovable versions of their own tunes. You know, it's not everybody who covers the Beatles covers them better. Well, yeah. <laughs> in fact, not everyone that covers the Beatles covers them well. Yeah, it's, there are a lot of covers out there that would never make our list for this, this episode. There are exceptions, though, and here's another one. I mean, Stevie Wonder's rousing cover of We Can Work It Out is just, it is an entirely different song. And, you know, like many Motown artists, Stevie Wonder was a Beatles fan of sorts. Uh, Stevie loved the Beatles, but he felt their genius was in their songwriting, which we talked about last week. Yeah, I said that. He was not impressed with their performing at all. In fact, he didn't think they performed some of their songs as well as he could do them himself. And, you know, that's a sentiment that requires a lot of chutzpah, right? But Wonder backed it up because We Can Work It Out is a track that is so thoroughly reimagined it, it feels like an entirely new piece of music. Um, the thing about Stevie Wonder that, you know, from, from my own personal uh, take, he kind of communicates joy, you know, unlike any other artist I can think of, especially young Stevie yeah, Wonder. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. You know, he was just, his songs are just so uplifting, you know, in and of themselves, and it's joy that Wonder... Uh, provides here on, on this, this particular track. I mean, it conveys most clearly just uh, this this utter optimism, you know? It's unlike the Beatles' beautiful but pensive original because the Beatles' straightforward acoustic guitars and wheezing harmonium are, are replaced here by Wonder with an infectious clavinet, a jubilant harmonica solo, and, and stabs of electric guitar. And where the Beatles' version feels very much like a kind of suite showcasing the contrasting styles of the two chief songwriters. I mean, you have McCartney's sunny optimism on the verses and chorus, and then you have John Lennon's world weariness on, on the bridge. But Wonders cover is just propulsive and, and cohesive. I mean, it, it's pure energy, and it never flags, not even for a second. It's frankly a masterpiece, I think, of exuberant funk that expresses through rhythm, through lead vocal, and through that those background yeahs that, you know, just kind of create this relentless happiness uh, and really, it kind of effectively shows that music can combat uncertainty. I mean, it, it is. It's a totally different song. And, you know, just reading some some testimonies on, online, there are a lot of people who cite this as the greatest Beatles. I, I would still say it's Joe Cocker for my for myself, but this has a huge, huge fandom. Oh, I agree. Fandom. It, it even plays around with the, the actual melody of the of the title oh yeah um, phrasing too as well yeah do you know he's never ever seen the Beatles live bad joke sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry Dave I'm sorry oh good god uh, you so, might have heard them sorry. Oh, yeah I, I would imagine he's, he's heard them um <laughs> In fairness, I've never seen the Beatles live um, for a very different reason, but I that was so bad. I know. That oh, was bad. You want to talk about groaners. That, that, I've been sitting on that for about five minutes. <laughs> Whole five minutes. Well, I thought of it. I, don't uh, want to, I didn't want to interrupt you for such a bad joke. <laughs> All right. Your turn. Second one from, from Rubber Soul, and this one is a bit problematic, so I'm going to you know already um, <clears throat> say that before I begin. But run for your life, and I'm going to pick the version by... 
Nancy Sinatra. Yes, I love that. There's nothing more 60s than yes. Nancy Sinatra covering this song. I hear I hear Austin Powers for a reason, right? Because yeah. oh. uh, These Boots Were Made for Walking was featured prominently in that film. kind of bootsifies if that's a word this song as well oh it is it's, it's, it's right it's the same vein well it's the same album so and and and, and the reason why this i say this song's a bit problematic because it, it i just got done saying that paul was a bit um kind of obsessive um so is or possessive excuse me so is is john I and mean, we've heard stories as oh, well yeah, which yeah. you really had no reason to be but we won't get into all of that. But yeah, this this overly possessive tone of his lyrics is problematic, especially lines like, you know, uh, catch you with another man, that's the end, little girl. I mean, basically uh, yeah. threatening um, his girlfriend who he suspects is going around behind his back. Um, but how, you know, it, it, Lennon later said uh, at some point, and I, I've read so many interviews where they'll say something and then five years later they completely contradict it, right? But at one point, John said this was his least favorite Beatles song. And George Harrison said it was his favorite song off Rubber Soul. Really? Okay. I mean, I, I knew Lennon. Lennon I, I was well aware that Lennon was not a fan of the song, but this is Harrison's favorite. At the, at the time when the interview was taking place, he may have changed his mind the next huh. day, but he said, when asked what his favorite song off Robert Soul was, he said, run for your life. Interesting. Um, like I said, Nancy Sinatra bootsifies it, if that's a word, um, came from that same record as these boots were made for walking, and it maintains that same kind of swinging 60s brass section and surf rock lead guitar. Oh, yeah. It's just a lot of fun. I actually had, this was on my short list, but you, you provided your list to me first I think for, right. for this episode so I, I scratched it off um, it's just such it's so mod you know it's just pure 60s yes it's, it's just it's awesome and like a lot of songs in the rock era especially in the early rock era um, Sinatra switches the gender of the lyrics yeah you know, the Beach Boys did that with then then uh, she kissed then I kissed her they couldn't yeah. even be kissed they had to completely change it um, I know like kissed at a version of, of then I kissed her and um Nowadays, a lot of covers they don't. They yeah. just maintain the original uh, pronouns. But um, yeah. but uh, she does. She switches it up, and I can see in 1966 why uh, why she did that. Um, but that's 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 the only change lyrically that she makes. Um, yeah, it's just that's just a, a fun song, and I had to include that. Yeah, no, I, I was happy you did because it freed up a new, another space for me because I, they they were on my my list. Um, but uh, or 
she was on my list. I can see I can see the, the going to Brian Wilson saying you can't do. And then she kissed me because g- girls aren't supposed to kiss guys. So you need to be you need to be the strong one and kiss her. It just it didn't work. I don't that version from the Beach Boys never worked because of that phrasing. Yeah. Well, and you know, a great, great example of that I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mona Lisa uh, twins. They, um, they're another one that I found through the Spotify algorithm. I almost used them for this episode. They have a version of This Boy. Oh. Which, we're talking early Beatles, of course, with, with This Boy. But they don't change the lyrics. I mean, they sing This Boy and That Boy. And um, it, it is. It's really common. Yeah. And I'm glad I just brought that up because I really wanted to include them on our mention songs list. <laughs> there you <laughs> so, go. There you go. Um, I do that a lot. Like, uh, I'm probably going to do it a few more times. There are, you know, we, we are only allowed 12 songs. So, um Anyway, my next song, um, oh, very, very much like the last song. Uh, this one is The Long and Winding Road by Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin's genius took so many forms, you know. I've, Carol King was raving when we went to the induction ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Carol King's entire speech, or at least half of her speech, was not about herself. It was about Aretha Franklin, you know. Um, but Aretha, I mean, as a singer, as a songwriter, as an album crafter, a live performer, she was the queen of soul. She was the queen, and you know, she was also one of history's most audacious Beatles fans. I don't know if our, our audience knows this. I didn't know that. Yeah, Aretha, she loved. The Beatles. It was her favorite band. And nobody ever sang the Beatles quite like Aretha. And she covered so many of their their tracks. Um, since she was one of the few 60s musicians as famous and revered as they were, she, she always felt free to take any approach she pleased with a Beatles song, uh, sometimes radically reworking it, is when she sang Eleanor Rigby in the first person, hmm. as an example. Uh, when Aretha sang any song, even a Beatles song, she claimed it as her own. And the Beatles knew it. Nothing made them prouder than getting one of their songs stolen by Aretha Franklin. In fact, when Paul McCartney wrote Let It Be, he sent an acetate demo to Aretha in hopes that she would record it. Hmm. And did she ever record it? Yes, she okay. did. Yeah, he, he, he's admitted in interviews he knew full well that she would outsing him on it. And needless to say, she, she did. Um, the, the cover that I'm using, The Long and Winding Road, it may be, um, it's definitely my favorite of her Beatles covers. And I think it's, the one cover that improves most on the original um, of all the songs that she covered by them, it kind of defines everything the song is about. You just, you haven't heard The Long and Winding Road until you hear Aretha burn it up in her version. The Beatles original, it got botched in the studio, buried under Phil Spector's modeling strings and the god-awful vocal choir. I mean, there's a lot of contention about Let It Be and what... Do you have the Let It Be Naked CD? I do, yeah. It's stripped down? Yeah, stripped down. It's 
and it's so much better. It, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Wall of Sound, but not not what he did with Let It Be. Um, but you know, here she really brings out the loneliness and the pain in the song. She she adds the gospel grit that the original was striving for, with a little help from Beatle pal Billy Preston on the organ. He's actually helping her, which you know Preston was considered one of the he's one of the one can, of the fifth one Beatles. of the fifth Beatles. Yeah, yeah. he's he's performing on the organ with with her on this particular version and she ends it by by chanting the lines many times i've been alone and many times i've cried and she refuses to even hint at a happy ending in this song aretha never finds out if she's ever going to get through that door and frankly neither neither do we but this is one of the queen's most brilliant and heartbreaking performances I, i just i love this cover and really when we talk about you know beatles tunes that that you know, covers that are better than the original. This one, this is not my favorite Beatles cover, but this is the one cover that I think just, it's it so outperforms Paul's original. It's just, it's, it's, it's a beautiful number. It's, it's, but it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Paul had that part of his songwriting where it was almost, and and it came from his upbringing because his dad, I believe was a musician at least he was a huge music fan, but I think his whole family were musical. And so show tunes were very much a part of his yeah. upbringing. And a lot of the Beatles songs, a lot of Paul's contributions, even though they're pop songs, um, they would work very well as, as, as a traditional show tune. Oh, yeah. And so Lennon stuck a lot closer to kind of rock, although he did some experimental stuff too as well, of course. But but Paul just was able to pull some of these soaring melodies out and create these songs that were really, really universal. And Long and Winding Road is, is one of those. I remember the first time I heard that, my dad playing it in the car, and I just instantly just became one of my favorite Beatles songs. Still is to this day. Yeah. Just love that song. Yeah. What did you think of Aretha's? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I knew, when I saw that pairing, I hadn't heard it before you put it on the list. When I saw that pairing, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Um, so... Anyway, there you go. The, the Queen of Queen Soul. Queen of Soul. So you don't remember the Queen of Soul. Hey, 19. <laughs> Had to have a little steal again. <laughs> there when you say Queen of Soul. That's awesome. All right. So let's uh, let's go back into the uh, the Jangle a little bit here. A uh, band from the 90s that you and I had an opportunity to see live in Toledo. Oh, Smithereens. The Smithereens. Yes. I'm going with the Smithereens version of One After 909. Now, you'd think I would have chosen one of the songs from their complete Beatles, Meet the Beatles, Meet the Smithereens, I think they called it. Yeah, but but every one of those is a 
it, it's a perfect rendition. Yes, so yes. Would not have met your right. criteria. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this is this is actually one of the earliest collaborations between Lennon and McCartney. Okay, this goes back to like the very beginning. I think they were like 1957. I think is when they wrote this. And really? one after 909 was 1957. Just wait. Okay, just wait. More, I more to come. Did not know that. Um, McCartney doesn't think it's a, he didn't think and still doesn't think it's a very good song. But he had a lot of fond memories writing with John, so it, it never made it on any of the early albums. But it was one that always just kind of stuck around, like when they were warming up or when they were just playing around, this song would always seem to, to resurface. And so, uh, again, if you watch the Let It Be documentary... I, I started it. I haven't gotten very far it, yet. It's one of those that finally found a home. And it, it makes sense because, you know, you can see in the documentary... Prior to this, it kind of started with, with the White Album when they started kind of going their separate ways. And, you know, all four of them would not be present at the recording sessions. Two or three might be present. And it, it got to a point where it's kind of rare where the entire band came together and recorded. And that was the whole idea of doing this documentary was let's go back to the old days. Let's have all four of us go into a studio and let's write together and record together as a band course each would have their own demo and they would bring it but then everybody else would contribute and they would kind of write it on the spot nothing cooler than seeing paul mccartney just come up with with get back because he's just kind of noodling on the guitar and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden and and throughout the documentary and it's like nine hours long so (laughs) that's why i'm yeah but throughout the documentary he keeps coming back to the song and keeps building on and then the rest of the band kind of and and it evolves over the course to what we know today so i'm just so glad that a they decided to document all of this. And even though they came out with a, the, the, a special, it was a very limited version. And to have Peter Jackson discover and remaster and re-edit all of this footage, and there was like 24 hours of it, so we're not getting all of it. But for him to find the best bits and share it with us just was awesome. I'm glad he took the time to do that. But um, this is a song, like I said, it hung around, and finally they decided to um, record it. And that's uh, that's one after nine or nine. So yeah, nineteen fifty-seven to to nineteen seventy until it was actually officially released. If you listen to the anthology, we talked about that on anthology disc one. There is an early there version. Is, now that you say that, that they recorded, You're but right. it never went past the demo stage. You're right. Um, the Smithereens clearly were huge Beatles fans. Um, you know this this song appeared on a different record of covers. They they had several different um, records of covers, kind of like you mentioned with. Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs, but um, yeah, and of course, uh, Pat Denisio has passed away. Um, Smithereen still play with with different uh, lead vocalists from time to time, but uh, you know, you might want to say the Smithereens were kind of a one trick pony, but they were really good at what they did. Yeah, yeah, um, and th- they were definitely a one trick. You know, I, I love the Smithereens, but every album sounded the same, every song sounded, but what they put out, the the, the material was just incredible yeah you know um i had no idea they were still performing yeah i'm trying to think who i think the um, uh, lead singer of jim blossoms um really filled in for them not as a permanent member of the band but like if they played a festival or something you know they'll they'll, they'll grab somebody else to, to join in that is such a different sound yeah that, that'd be interesting to hear yeah um huh interesting all right Okay, well, this was a late addition, my next uh, track, because I just discovered it. I mean, I literally just discovered it. For, for the longest time, my number 11, and this is where I built up our mentioned songs <laughs> playlist, I had Drive, um, Drive, my, car. Drive my Car by Bobby McFerrin. Just I think I've heard that, actually. Yeah, just uh, in 
pure, you know, vocal jazz. I had uh, Hey Jude by Wilson Pickett. I, I, I had uh, I had Evanescence doing Across the Universe. I had, I had a number of different artists. And then I stumbled upon this purely by accident. This is an artist that I raved about uh, for Uncharted last season. It's Josh Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she is just, I, you know, I, I played uh, at the time one of the tracks from the Soul Sessions for Uncharted when she was just 15 years old. She's not 15 years old anymore. She's well into her uh, 30s. But she is just a powerhouse. She's just this white British girl who who belts it out like she was, you know, pure blues material born in the Mississippi Delta. I mean, she's, she's just amazing. Well, let, I'll let the words speak for themselves, okay? This was the press release from Stephen Marley, son of Bob Marley, of course. He wrote, This project is about preserving Nina Simone's legacy, passing it on to younger generations, including my children, because you don't often find music this substantial. Seven women, seven songs, seven sides of Nina Simone. In a joint effort of Paul Falkery, myself, and the Ghetto Youths International label, uh, the release of this exceptional album celebrates an exceptional woman, pianist, songwriter, civil rights activist, and singer of blues and jazz, or as she often called it, black classical music, Eunice Kathleen Wayman, a.k.a. Nina Simone, born on February 21st, 1933 in North Carolina, and passed away on April 21st, 2003, she has left an indelible mark on the music and the black civil rights movement in the USA and beyond. So, interestingly, Joss Stone was one of the artists that was invited to participate in this. But the title of the album is Celebrating Nina, a Reggae Tribute to Nina Simone, which in itself is pretty daring because Nina Simone did not sing reggae. <laughs> okay, But this is all reggae covers of Nina Simone and Joss Stone is singing a cover of a cover. Because Here Comes the Sun was covered by Nina Simone and it's considered by many to be one of the greatest versions of Here Comes the Sun. And here we have Joss Stone sounding almost to the letter like Nina Simone. I mean, she does a perfect tribute to her. Just Stone, first of all, she does an immaculate uh, version of Nina Simone, but this is a reggae tune of a jazz cover of Harrison's singer-songwriter. Probably, arguably, I would say his best work is, well, I already said, well, my guitar generally is my favorite Beatles track, but really, when you think Harrison, you think something and you think Here Comes the Sun, Mm -hmm. you know? And this is just, to me, the whole... This whole idea of a, a reggae version, a reggae cover of a jazz cover of of Harrison, it, it blows my mind. 
And what is so incredible, this song is just phenomenal. It is. I mean, I cannot get enough of this particular track. It, it just, this is, I mean, we, we, you know, it's summer. We do our seasons in the summer. This is the perfect summer song. Yeah. I mean, Harrison's version is a perfect summer song. I mean, just given the lyrics of the song itself, but as a reggae number, this is just, it is so chill. It is so laid back. It is just, I, I, I love it. And I stumbled upon it purely by accident. And at the last moment I said, oh, hell no, this is going to be my number 11. Um, and realistically, you know, celebrating Nina, uh, this, the entire album, I've, I've now listened through it. Folks, you, if you're a reggae fan, you definitely want to check this out. Um, because the seven songs are carefully selected tracks. I and mean, they, they were all written or performed by Nina Simone, obviously. And in order to capture as many facets of her personality as possible, Stephen Marley invited female vocalists from a wide range of backgrounds. So basically every genre is represented and they're all doing reggae. It, it's just mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, Here Comes the Sun, uh, it found a perfect match. I mean, British soul pop singer Joss Stone, uh, it's just a track that perfectly captures the artistry of Nina Simone's delivery of Harrison's song, but it's going to brighten your day. This is the perfect summer track and there you go. I mean, it's... It's funny you say that because today, um, in, at the time of this recording, we've had lots of rain and, you know, the weather's been all over the place. Yeah. And I just, I really love sunny weather. And when I leave work, it's, it's weird. If I leave work and it's overcast and cloudy, I'm just kind of down and I don't feel, I don't have a lot of energy when I get home and I'm... But if it's a nice sunny day, my drive home is just a completely different experience. And so, you know, in preparing for the show tonight, I'd been listening, you know, on my lunch break and different times set the day, some of the different songs, your picks. And um, I got in the car and this was the next one that popped up. Really? And it was a beautiful sunny day. Put on my sunglasses and started driving him from work when this came on and it was perfect. Yeah. I, I just, and I have nothing else to add. I mean, literally the song was released, I think, just in the last two weeks. So, Ooh, really? Is yeah, that this, new? Is, this wow. is a brand wow. new. So when I when I say I have nothing to report, I mean I was going to let the album, the press release, speak for itself. It's because yeah, that's all I got. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I heard this and just just the the entirety of of what this represents, who it is in tribute of, and her own version of Harrison's classic. It's I I couldn't I could not not include this song. So I'm glad you did. I'm, that's I'm, great. Cool. I'm, that's the most current we've been. Uh, yeah, I I think so. All right. Well, I said uh, you had your weird song as the second one in the last episode. I saved mine for last. Okay. All I have to say is Flaming Lips. <laughs> yes. Flaming Lips put out an album called With a Little Help from My Friends. I did not mispronounce that. Yeah. It's F-W-E-N-D-S. Where they uh, released an album of Beatles covers with guest stars at different bands and different artists. When I saw this pairing, I said, this has to be a mistake. <laughs> it's the Flaming Lips with the, uh, another band called New Fumes and Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I just I did a double take. And I thought, boy, this can be really good or this could be a disaster. And I will say it is really weird, but I like it. I, I do. I like it. And A Day in the Life lends itself to that. It's kind of a psychedelic song anyway. And the Flaming Lips, of course, that's all they are is psychedelic.
This is just, you take a psychedelic album, and we talked about Lucy in the Sky being a very psych- psychedelic song. Um, this one is as, as well. And uh, Miley does the uh, the little spoken um, word part that Paul takes care of. And it, it just the whole thing is just, just really trippy. Um, you know, I'm actually af- afraid of talking too much about the original song because, like, there's enough material in this song to, like, do an entire dissertation. Uh, I believe our humanities teacher told us, um, like, Leonard Bernstein said this was, like, the finest rock song ever recorded you know i mean this is this was a song where people that scoffed at the beatles you know old the older generation the classical music fans the jazz fans would scoff at the beatles when they heard this song kind of changed their opinion a little bit so i'm not going to get into too much of the original song but it is the most influential song on on arguably the most influential record in the rock era so i had to include it on here somewhere and there are, there are some other versions but if it's if it's kind of a weird psychedelic song to begin with, why not give it to the Flaming Lips? Yeah, I um, I don't know that I care for this. I, it, this is one of those songs that it's so interesting and so unusual. I don't know if I like it or not. Right, but but it's, <laughs> but it's it, I I listen to it. I've listened to this more than any other song that you, that you provided on your list, just because I'm trying to figure out if I like it or not. You know, and it's just it, it is. It is. It's very trippy. Um, and Day in the Life, it's it's easily a top 10, uh, in my top 10 of Beatles songs. I mean, it's just, there's something about the clothes of Sgt. Pepper's that is just, I, I don't know, especially when Paul comes in with his, right. you know, um, changing, changing the face of the song like at the turn of a hat. But yeah, I, it's a pairing that Flaming Lips and Miley say, I still can't quite, but that makes total sense because of the weirdness to begin with. It, it does. Like, I can't yeah. think of too many bands even attempting to, to tackle this song. No, although you know who I saw do an incredible job hmm. um, when he played Progressive Field, Billy Joel. Really, he did Day in the Life, and it was. I mean, it sounded just like the Beatles, right? But right. it sounded just like the Beatles, hmm. and I was I was really impressed by it. But yeah, you're right. I this is not a song that I think very many people would dare to, to cover because it, it covers too much ground. I mean, right. there's too much going on in the song um but yeah this is definitely an interesting take i'm not advocating for the use of lsd but should one decide to um experiment this the whole album would probably be a good one to play yeah yeah without question (laughs) you'd have an interesting trip (laughs) all right well i think this leads us to our final song number 24 yes and um you know i i I want to take just a brief moment to talk about Bill Withers because he's the artist uh, that I chose for my, my last track here. Bill Withers was very much the Bruce Springsteen of the black community. I mean, he, he was the everyman. And that image suited the contents of, of his albums like to the letter. His songwriting was uniformly brilliant, but the arrangements were so understated. You know, There was a vast range and depth to, to his sound behind just this easygoing facade. Withers could do funk, he could do gospel, he could do blues, all with apparent ease, and he, he could also do disco, which commonly is is today held to be the undoing of a whole school of earnest black artists in the early 70s. But his age and his temperament are, are necessary to understand his, his debut album, Just As I Am, and its success. The material that Withers recorded for his debut, it's mature, you know, the sound 
I'm a man quietly settled into adulthood and looking back on his life and relationships with warmth and regret. He he skips over the songs of starry-eyed romance and world-crumbling-down breakups that his contemporaries like Stevie Wonder and Curtis Mayfield trucked in early in their careers. Uh, Bill Withers was 33. He was a factory worker. And he continued, despite becoming a major recording artist with a number one uh, song and, and you know his his bank account inflating from from his success, he continued working in the factory until he got laid off. Hmm. Wow. Um, and he, he just, you know, he was unlike any other artist that, that I can name just by his demeanor. He'd never trusted the music industry. He was very grateful for the opportunity to record, but he always knew it would be short-lived. And, you know, every artist talks about retiring and then none of them actually do it. He walked away from from music after five albums and never looked back. In fact, the only artist that could ever bring him back was Jimmy Buffett. He actually, I'm oh, licensed to chill. Um, he performs uh, the song Playing the Loser again with, with Buffett of all artists, hmm. which is pretty, it's appearing I would never have imagined. But on that debut album, which which um, has, you know, songs of social consciousness like Harlem, and ref, it has reflections on the black experience like Grandma's Hands, odes to brief sensual pleasures like uh, Sweet Woman, it has, of course, Ain't No Sunshine and Lean On Me, which became a number one hit. But he also, uh, for this debut, covered a pair of modern pop standards. And, and he turned them both um, inside out. Um, with the help of Booker T. Jones, Withers turned Harry Nelson's Everybody's Talking into the, just this soulful strut and an anthem of defiance uh, as he sets his course for where the sun is shining and he can get lost in his thoughts. But man, he covers Let It Be on this album. And it is an entirely different song. It sounds nothing like Paul's version. Uh, it, it, he gives it a Pentecostal makeover. And with Jones's organ hurling, you know, in the background and just this tambourine slapping and dancing through the sanctuary. And it is literally, you feel like you are in the church when he is singing this song. And it is just, it's rousing, you know. And you listen to the song and it makes you want to get up and just clap along. And it's it's unlike any other version of Let It Be I have ever heard. When I find myself in time of trouble Mother Mette comes to me Speaking the words of wisdom Let it be, Lord, let it be Hiding in my hour of dark She is standing right in front of me Whisper words of wisdom Let it be, Lord, let it be Yeah, let it be I would say Withers' version, it's, it's as poignant and heartfelt as the original, but it, it is just, it's an entire, I, I can't even find the words to describe it. It's I better mean, than the one that I was going to include what, from what, Sesame Street, Letter B. Letter B. <laughs> Remember the little beetle puppets? I, yeah, I, like, I do. Like actually yeah. insect beetles. I do. Yeah. Um, 
but no, this one it is just it is just a rousing gospel tinged. Uh, it's it's like being in the Black Baptist Church, you know, that when the, when the music begins and it's just it it just runs through you, you know, and you become one with the music. It is unlike unlike anything else on my list, and I, I it's a perfect close to to the playlist. Perhaps I don't know how we're going to sequence yet, but um, yeah, I. I could not get I, I I've always been a fan I can't this is one I never get tired of and it's just it, it's it's just another testament ages. to the songwriting it is and yeah. it, it absolutely is um but that's that's 24 cuts that's 24 and look at the time look at that we are we're very consistent we are yeah <laughs> we're gonna be a 90 minute uh podcast I guess for the the rest yeah, of I think that's days. a good that's a good, it, it, it's a good I mean it's rhythm. better than our three and a half hour yeah, uh, yeah. if you've stuck with us since the beginning I'm, <laughs> hopefully we've we've I've altered noticed. and changed enough that you uh, you can appreciate the ninety minute episodes now well I noticed we we picked up some listeners on the last few weeks and um, you know a lot of them are, are starting from the beginning I'm like oh no <laughs> yeah well. <laughs> Back when we actually deliberated the playlist, the, the sequence, yeah. But we're just on 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 air, going. Um, I don't know. Would this work here? <laughs> what about this one? <laughs> Let's move this here. Like anybody wanted to listen to that, right? But but our idea at the time, though, was we were actually a, yeah. a mixtape. No, I mean it was, podcast. We, we were going to. We showed the process for a couple episodes, and we moved on. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully, yes. Um, now we we've changed so significantly, actually, in so many ways. But um, now we're going to sequence. Now we're going to uh, sequence on our own. You right. don't have to sit through it, <laughs> and we will be right back after this. And we're back, and uh, we did it. <laughs> I mean, you'd think it, we were choosing from the same set of songwriters. It wouldn't be very difficult to find a good order. But as we've mentioned, you know, the last two episodes, that uh, we have a very eclectic mix of covers, all sorts of different styles. And so this one was a little bit uh, difficult. Yeah, this was not, not easy, but I'm actually really happy with what we've come up with. And I think it'll be a, a fun listen. So... We begin side A with Got to Get You Into My Life by Earth, Wind, and Fire. That leads into I Saw Her Standing There by Little Richard, followed by We Can Work It Out by Stevie Wonder. Then Yesterday by Marvin Gaye, Ticket to Ride by The Carpenters, Fixing a Hole by The Wood Brothers, Into Rocky Raccoon by Lena Horne. That is followed by, once again, I do apologize, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by William Shatner, then Run For Your Life by Nancy Sinatra, And Your Bird Can Sing by Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs, Come Together by Soundgarden, and we end side A with Hey Bulldog by Alice Cooper, Stevie Vai, Duff McKagan, and Mickey D. Side B, we begin with Ella Fitzgerald's very swinging version of Can't Buy Me Love. That goes into The Long and Winding Road by Aretha Franklin, Here Comes the Sun, by Joss Stone into Let It Be by Bill Withers, Dear Prudence by Susie and the Banshees, One After 909 by The Smithereens, followed by Dolly Parton's Help, Steve Earle's I'm Looking Through You, Joe Cocker's With a Little Help from My Friends, into Regina Spector and Wow My Guitar Gently Weeps. That is followed by Happiness is a Warm Gun by The Breeders, and we end it all with a very <laughs> interesting uh, take on A Day in the Life by the Flaming Lips, Miley Cyrus, and New Fumes. Um, 
we couldn't find anything to segue yeah, out we, of that one. So that, well, had, that had to end the playlist. It, it ends Sergeant oh. Pepper. It's an ending kind of song. It, it it's is. It's got that whole crescendo and everything. Never goose me any other way. Well, yeah. Yeah, we didn't, they didn't include that part. No, they didn't. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, this, was, this was as much fun as I had hoped it would be. I, I really, really dig these two episodes. Hopefully... Our audience does too. Well, as you have probably noticed at this point, if you are an avid listener of the broadcast or the podcast, um, we have decided this season to kind of give us a little more breathing room because now that COVID is over, we do have other things that we do. We have lives, we have jobs, we have wives, we have children um, and other hobbies. So we've decided that we are going to drop, you know, the two parts in a row week to week, and then we're going to take a week off. Uh, in between, and then come back again with another uh, side A and side B. And that'll take us um, through, you know, probably around Halloween time again. Yep. Yeah, it should. Um, next episode mm-hmm. uh, is uh, going to be really different for us. Uh, we are going to be uh, creating a mixtape of instrumentals. I was a little apprehensive about this, but I was surprised. I was able to find enough. Yeah, you, you actually mentioned to me you weren't sure that you could come up with, with 12, but... I, I didn't think you'd have a problem, and then you, you came up with more than you needed. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, I mean, I even had Philip Glass on my list at one point. Did you really? But I'm like, yeah, classical might be a bridge too far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had so I had Gary Glitter, you know. I had Yellow for the longest time because I was trying to convince myself. Yeah, that, I'm glad you took that. Well, I was trying to convince myself that, oh, yeah, was, uh, you know, instrumental. It's it's not. Yeah. But um, really, you're glad I took. You, I'm just not a big fan of. Really? Oh, yeah. No. yeah. I am. Um, no, oh, no. And it, it's like 80s cinema, you know? How many movies use that No, song? I know, they did. They did. Um, but no, I, there were so, so many, and just cutting some of them was, was painful. Um, but that is our next two-part episode. It will be instrumentals, um, songs that actually, you know, many of them charted, but they are sans lyrics, so yep. it's... It'll be interesting. It is. It's going to be really interesting. We, we can't discuss the lyrical content of the songs. I know. It's going to be purely music. <laughs> and you know I'm not a lyrics guy for the most part. But right. I break that rule a lot. Yep. Anyway, that is what we will provide to you when we come back here uh, in two weeks. Um, I don't know. Got anything else to add? That's all I have. So all right. uh, that's here we go. Well, that's all for this week. Hot Funk, Cool Punk, Even If It's Old Junk, another mix of memories awaits in two weeks. But for now, press pause. Lift the needle and hit eject, and we will see you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.